Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. This morning, the title of my message today is entitled, Divine Insanity. Divine Insanity. Oh my, what in the world does that mean? Well, we'll find out in a moment, okay? Uh, and we'll be going at, because we are continuing our studies in the book of Mark. We've been in the book of Mark ever since the first Sunday of this year, and we are in the book of Mark still, and uh, we've made it up to chapter 3 so far, uh, and so we'll be there today. But you know, not everyone believes in the divine will and purpose of God. There are a lot of people just thinks that things are just happening. In fact, even the Bible says that people think that God just put something on autopilot and he's set back and he's forgotten us and, you know, things are just continuing without his conscious consideration. But that is not true. Some people only believe in what they can see, what they can feel, what they can explain, or what they want. They don't necessarily give credence to things that they cannot explain. The way of the world, even in all the wisdom of man, seems blind to the divine. The divine meaning God. Things that God does. The divine will and purpose of God. Things and the interactions and the elements of life that are unexplainable. But nonetheless, we know that God is involved. The world endeavors to explain away the unexplainable. If the world can't explain it, they'll try to explain it away. They'll try to, you know, make excuses surrounding it. And almost by the time they're finished with it, it's as though it didn't even happen. You know, just go ahead and get yourself healed by Almighty God. And then try to tell someone about it and they'll try to do their best if they do not give credence to the divine they will try to explain it away in some other reason you know sometimes when I tell people you know the Lord healed me they'll say uh, well yeah you know uh, but but you did do this you did do that well uh, listen I'm gonna tell you something the Lord healed me okay it is the divine I know you know uh, three years ago or four years ago this month I, I, I was uh, diagnosed with medullary cancer you know and and uh, there was a point where they told me probably two to five years to live I said you can give me five years that's a pretty good deal I I've never had anybody give me five years. And then later on, through the process of, 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 of all the things that took place, now this was after the surgery they told me I had, they, they found out that I had this cancer. And then they wanted to go back and take everything out of my neck, do a radical neckectomy. And, uh, but, uh, you know, but I had to give some attention to the divine. Now, uh, not being stupid, not being presumptuous, not being, you know, uh, in, in any way uncaring. And this is my testimony. It's not your testimony. It's my testimony. This is a, 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 a description of what happened in my life. It's not a prescription for your life, okay? You have to get your own prescription from God. But the Lord told me to pray 
And I really felt as though it was going to go away. And I know that is crazy. Like everybody else thought I was crazy from the surgeons in, 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 in Austin all the way to MD Anderson and the, and, and, and the, uh, the, the director of, 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 uh, of uh, endocrinology there who I got to sit down and talk with and everything. But then, you know, uh, whenever it all went away and all the tests, you know, and, and the test I still have, I had one, just, you know, just, you know, uh, two months ago and it's all gone. I, I have that letter from MD Anderson saying, you know, basically, wow, there is absolutely no indication of any cancer anywhere in your body. We don't know what happened to it. Do you know what some other people said? Well, maybe they were just wrong. Maybe you never had it to begin with. You know, when you can't explain something, don't try to explain it away. As though it never happened. You know, it happened. It happened. I was laying in a hospital in Texarkana, Texas, and, and, uh, and the doctor told me I was not going to live beyond the next few minutes. There was no way. They didn't know how I was still alive at that moment. And they said, anything you need to do, you need to do it now. And so I told my wife, give me the phone, and I called my son, and I called my daughter, and I told them what the doctor said, and I told them goodbye. I said, now, if I do happen to go and be with Jesus, and I don't see you in this life anymore, I want you to know that I have taught you what is right. I've taught you the truth do not change your theology to accommodate a tragedy I'm going to be fine if God's finished me here I'm ready to go but you believe in the God that I taught you about in the God that heals and the God that cares and the God that listens and you believe in a good God that has a good plan for your life don't you let something that 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 you didn't expect change what we all know to be true about God and then in the middle of the morning somewhere, pushed into a room, uh, I, 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 I thought I was dead. I literally said, is this what it feels like to be dead? Okay. Because uh, it, it, it was a, I, I won't go into it. But then the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. You say, oh, come on now. You know, like somebody else told me, you know, your, your heart wasn't doing right, and so you didn't get enough oxygen to your brain, and so, you know, you were hallucinating, you were hearing things. You know, that is not the, you know what the truth is? You're not going to explain this away to me. I heard the voice of God. And God asked me a question, I answered him, and then he said to me, until that time, you're not going anywhere. And the door opened up, and people came running, and here I was, and I said, Brenda, call the kids. And tell them I'm going to be okay. I've heard from God. I said, now get my clothes and let me out of here. <laughs> they said, you don't understand. I said, no, you don't understand. I understand completely. I had a divine encounter with Almighty God. I'm probably the only one that does understand. Okay? Listen, often those who are unable to discern the divine element they want to attribute whatever happens in the process to something foul because if they can't explain it they want to discourage its continuance they're concerned that you know other people might believe that they might try it you know in other words if it cannot be understood it must be bad and it needs to stop that's how many people feel if if it cannot be controlled, it needs to be killed. That's the way the world imagines. 
the accounts of the controversies in the Bible. Controversy after controversy after controversy. Old Testament, New Testament. They, they usually divide people into three identifiable basic groups. Controversies divide people. I have found throughout the Word of God, uh, we'll, we'll call it group number one, group number two, group number three. Group number one are those who believe in and those who support and those who follow God's divine interventions, those who believe and never want to stop. That's group one, okay? Those that believe and support the, the Word of God, and, and, and they don't ever want it to stop. Glory to God. You know, let, let the miracles and the healings and the worship and the unexplained, let, let, let God uh, speak you know, word, uh, words behind the scenes. This is exactly what we prayed for Keith Viator, that God would speak his name behind the scenes. He needed one of our elders, needed a job. You know, he lost his job last year uh, through a series of some things that were very unfortunate. And, 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 and you know, but at any rate, uh, he needed a job and he'd been a long time without a job. And do you know what happened? Someone spoke his name behind the scenes in a job that they didn't even know that was there and ended up that the people called him and hired him. Why? Because of God. Because it was a prayer. Because it was a need. Because Almighty God can work behind the scenes. Well, no, let me tell you how it really worked. You know, it, it, you know, it, no, let me tell you how it worked. Almighty God had someone speak his name favorably behind the scenes. And if it had not have been for the good reputation and the good name that he had at a former place he worked, they would never have spoke up and said, well, listen, I know a man. And they never interviewed another person for it. Him. The, listen, those who believe in the divine interactions of God, you know, those who believe, they never want it to stop. Group number two, these controversies divide people. Group number two are those well-meaning people who just don't believe it for whatever reason. And they, like for, they, they want it to stop. They don't believe it and they want it to stop. They want you to stop talking about it. They want you to stop telling people. They get a little embarrassed when you do. They get uncomfortable. It, they, make, you know, they don't want people thinking they're a kook too. It's a little too spooky that I don't want to be put in that basket. And I don't want you to, you know, you're going to end up, you know, hurting yourself. Bless your heart. You know, you didn't get enough oxygen to your brain or something. And, or, you know, and, and, you know uh, uh, please stop that because somebody else might believe you. You know, it's not that they don't necessarily like you. It's just that they don't agree with you. And they want you to stop. Group number three. These are people who really don't care anything about anything but their own power, their own position, you know. Group number three, people who, if they cannot control it, they want to kill it. Now, in Moses' day, and I, we are going to talk about Jesus in a moment in Mark 3, but I'm just letting you know this is all over the Bible everywhere. These same things. In Moses' day, you may remember that, that, that there were people from all walks of life both Hebrews and Egyptians who left with Moses and went out of, of Egypt toward the promised land. The Bible says in, 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 in Exodus 12 that they went out, a mixed multitude went out with them. Okay? 
they, they really believed Moses was a great man. That in Exodus 11th chapter, verse 3, you, you, you can read it. They believed that Moses was a great man of God. The Egyptians, even Pharaoh's servants, believed. And, and, and they favored the children of Israel. Okay, This was, this, this, you know, uh, this was the group one. Moses had a group one. Okay? You see, when people accept a divine element, unanswered questions cease to be their main focus. How did Jesus walk on water? Well, you know, I really can't explain it. But I was there in Israel just a few years ago listening to a, a tour guide explain it to a group of Catholic priests. And all of a sudden, they understood it once he explained it. You see, what he said while I was there doing a, 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 a television program for TBN, I was doing a television program on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I had to stop because all of these Catholic priests came up. And this tour guide came up, and he was the one, the tour guide, that as he was there talking about it, that he had been the Pope's tour guide on an earlier uh, thing. And he said, let me explain to you how the walking on the water happened. He said, you see, the Sea of Galilee has a lot of sandbars out there. That's what he said. He said, and some of those sandbars are just literally an inch or two under the water. It's certain day certain times of the year certain seasons and it was one of those seasons when jesus was was uh went walking and he was walking on a sandbar and it appeared to them that he was walking on the water and whenever he told peter you know to get out of the boat if peter had not have hesitated the boat was at a place where peter could have gotten out and gotten on the sandbar but he just missed it so that when he had to, and by the time Peter got out, shoom, he fell down in the water and Jesus just reached down and Peter said, help me. Jesus reached down and pulled him back up on the sandbar. That's somebody who doesn't believe in the divine. And do you know, all those that were listening to him, you know what they said? We've always wondered how that happened. Now we know, now we understand. How did Jesus multiply the fish and loaves? I don't know. But I do know this, that his disciples were in group one because when he said, I've got, you know, five barley loaves and two fish here, set them down in rows of 50 and tell them I'm about to feed them. They went out and set this group of 5,000 men plus women and children in rows of 50. And if those people hadn't got something to eat, they'd have been pretty upset. But yet all the disciples saw with five loaves and two barley, uh, uh, five uh, uh, barley loaves and two fish. And, and yet they believed in the divine. They didn't have to have it explained. They didn't start saying, well, hold on a second, Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people here and they could get kind of upset. No, 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 no. No, they were group one kind of people. What made the Red Sea part, you know, I was told there was only six inches of water there in some times of the year anyway. So by the time all those, you know, hundreds of thousands of people walked across, it was dry. Because, you know, they dried it out and carried the water off and their feet and clothes on, you know. Do you know what the real miracle is? I told the man that told me that. I said, you know, that is more amazing than, I, than, than, than it was before. I said, can you imagine how God... Drowned all of Pharaoh's armies in only six inches of water? (laughs) 
Some people believe Moses was sent from God and they were excited about following him. They didn't have questions about where are all these hundreds of thousands of people going to get bread and water tomorrow. They believed in it and they said, let's go. <laughs> I believe, let's go. That's a Joshua and Caleb, that group one. I believe it, let's go. Let's go now. They are but bread for us. God said we could do it, let's go do it. Well, then there were the elders of Israel. You know, they were well-meaning, uh, but they really wanted Moses to stop aggravating Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh done took away the straw, and Pharaoh was making it harder on him. Now, they were well-meaning. It wasn't that they didn't like Moses. They just kind of wanted him to shut up. We like you, but we like you to stop. Because Pharaoh is making it harder on us and making it hard. You're just making it harder on everybody. You know, uh, Exodus 5, verse 20, 21. Basically, you're making our burden greater. You're making it hard on everybody. Can you please just stop? Those group two people, they really don't have a divine connection. It's not that they don't like you. It's just that they don't want you to keep doing that. You, you know, you're going you to hurt us or hurt somebody else. You probably mean well, but Moses, you need to stop. You're just making things worse. And then group three in Moses' day was Pharaoh and his magicians and his court. You know, <laughs> those are the ones who did not know and did not care if it was God, Moses, or, you know, uh, magic. They couldn't control it. And Moses had too much influence. And because they couldn't control it, they wanted him dead and they wanted his followers they wanted all the group one dead they, we got to shut them up because if we're not watchful group one's going to grow on us you know well you know it was the same in the days of John the Baptist group one group two group three you know you know it was the same you know uh, for the apostle Paul group one group two group three you know, there are people who love Paul and follow him. I mean, Silas, come on, what, to jail? Ain't no bother me. Come on, let's have a praise and worship session. And then all the, all the prisoners got set free, and then the jailer became group one. But there were some group two Christians there, too. As soon as he got out of jail, they wanted him to leave. <laughs> we like you, but we kind of want you to get out of town because you're causing problems for everybody. Any more miracles, and they're going to start killing us. He was kicked out of a lot of places, not just by the group three people, but by the group two people. And then, of course, Jesus suffered the things. So, you know, l listen, if you haven't noticed in life, uh, some people love you and support you. Some people like you but don't agree with you. And then there are some people that hate you and really want to hurt you. Hello. And get involved in a controversy. Get involved in something political. Or worse than that, get involved in a church squabble. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you know I'm telling you the truth. You know, there's a people that, 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 that just, you know, uh, uh, love you and, 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 agree, and agree with you and, and just don't want you to stop, you know, uh, championing what you. And then there are people that like you but really don't agree with you and want you to shut up and stop. And then there are people that really hate your guts and want to hurt you. They don't care whether it's God or not. They're going to hurt you. Well... With these thoughts in mind, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Mark, okay? 
uh, and, and we're going to put our focus on Jesus as we read our text. And we're going to consider what group do we want to be in? And, uh, you know, is it possible that God is doing something that he didn't consult with you about first? Hello? Do you reckon it's ever possible that God might do something that he didn't ask your permission to do? You know, God does not first seek our permission before he upsets our plans. Okay? Well, with these things in mind, Mark the third chapter, reading from the New King James Version, beginning in verse 13. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. I guess he didn't consult with anybody else. Okay? <laughs> he called the ones he wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they, uh, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then if you read on, it gives you the names of these. You know, it's Simon, uh, who, who was Peter, and James, and John, and Andrew, and uh, uh, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, uh, you, you know them, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanite. And then verse 19 says, And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, get the picture with me here, okay? Jesus goes up into a mountain right outside the city of Capernaum. And he, he, he calls 12 men up, the ones he wanted. He picked them out, called them. He chose them, the Bible says later on. And he anointed them and he appointed them. And he told them, listen, now, now they didn't have any demonstration of this. He just told them, okay, I'm also going to give you power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Okay, now let's, let's, let's go to the house and get something to eat. And so they did. Uh, I can imagine, you know, most likely the choices Jesus made did not agree with everyone. Might not have even agreed with all the disciples because, you know, uh, <laughs> the, uh, they didn't have a say in the matter. But, but after all, it was his choice. God had a plan and Jesus had a chance to participate. So did the disciples. Uh, they could have said yes or said no. Some did say no later on. The young rich ruler said no. Jesus said, come follow me. He said no. You know, they had a chance to participate. Even Judas Iscariot had a chance to participate. Jesus called them, appointed them, anointed them, told them what they could do, and then they went into the house. Verse 21. But when his own people heard about this, when Jesus' own people heard about this, the New Living Translation says his family heard about this, and this is what the indication is, that these were close relatives. Okay? They may have been there in that community, or they may have been come from Nazareth. Whenever they heard that Jesus was doing this kind of thing, okay? whenever, whenever his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. He's insane. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. Something done got to, He's beside himself. Okay? I mean... Does this shock anybody else, what he's doing and what he's saying? I mean, come on now. He just told some people that they could heal sickness and disease, and then he said, let's go have dinner. Is anybody else worried about this? Do you think that these idiots might actually start going out praying for people? We don't, listen, we, we, we got to get this shut down. 
They came to arrest him and confine him, to separate him from his followers because they thought either his followers are inciting him or he's inciting his followers. But this is not a good combination because things are going to get outside of our control, outside of our hand. And, and you know, uh, <laughs> we know that his family cared about him because later on, even in verse 31, it says his mother and his brother, and sister, they came outside, uh, outside where he was still in that house. You know, he was in the house. They, they came out and said, well, listen, would you get Jesus come out here? You know why? Because they felt like he was a harm to himself and he was a harm to others. Why? Because, you know, wasn't that they didn't like him. It was that they had no divine connection to God. They were missing that divine element. They were missing that element that all the people who were being healed and all the people who were supporting and the 12 who were following him, they, listen, they, 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 group one, hey, we like it, we believe it, and we want it to never stop. Group two, well, we like him, we're his family even, and we, we care about him, and we're just concerned, and we need him to stop. We need to make him stop. Because if he doesn't stop, he's going to hurt himself or hurt somebody else. Do you all get the picture here? Okay. I mean, his mom, his brothers, it wasn't that they didn't like him, okay. but they just wanted him to stop. The followers and the supporters, group one, the well-meaning people uh, who just don't agree with you, group two, you know, more than just simply being a nuisance, they really felt like Jesus was a danger. He was in danger. He was endangering himself, and he was endangering others. And here's the deal. If they could prove or allege that Jesus was crazy, that he was beside himself, that he was nutty, you know, that he was a lunatic, then he would be excused from breaking the law of healing on the Sabbath. He would be excused from some blasphemous utterance that he might be considered the Messiah or that somebody says you're the Savior and he didn't correct them and he didn't stone the people that called him Messiah. Then all of a sudden he becomes complicit in them saying that he's somebody that other people can't imagine him being. So not only do you have to, you know, stop him, you've got to divide him from his followers because this is, you know, this is a volatile combination. Oh, I'm preaching good, aren't I? I'm talking about this has been going on forever. Read it. Counts all throughout the Word of God. You know? If the family could have succeeded in having Jesus declared mentally incompetent, impaired, crazy, insane, perhaps they could have kept him from being arrested and publicly executed, which didn't happen, by the way. Okay. Uh, and then there was group three. Y'all remember group three? How does group three figure into this? Well, you know, group three, the national leaders of the day heard what Jesus was doing, and they heard his fame and how people were coming to him. Jesus was having the biggest meetings that had ever been had. Upwards of 15,000 people would attend just one of his heel side teachings. And this was a great threat to the national leaders, who, by the way, in group three, they don't care if it's God or not. It's just negatively impacting their ability to control it. You see, if you cannot control it, if you can't tax it, if you can't make it beneficial to you, 
then these national leaders in group three had to have it stopped. And the first thing they're going to try to do is they're going to try to ruin Jesus' credibility. Look, verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. That's not something you can take an Alka-Seltzer for, by the way. <laughs> He's got Beelzebub. Beelzebub was the lord of the flies, prince of the flies. He was the demon in charge of flies, okay? Also known as the lord of the house. Okay? These scribes who were sent by the high priest from Jerusalem, these leaders, these emissaries, these uh, you know, people who were working for the national leadership in that day went out to spread lies about Jesus saying that he has a demon. By the ruler of demons, he's cast. They have to explain this away somehow. He can't be from God, and he, but, but, but he is doing things we can't explain. It's the devil. This man is filled with the devil. It's the demons in him that's causing all these people to be healed. <laughs> it is just so evident when somebody hates you so much that they want to destroy you manufacture anything that they can imagine, even things that are absolutely ridiculous, they'll stop at nothing. And later on, Jesus would ask his accusers in John the 10th chapter. Then the Jews took up stones to stone Jesus again, you know, again, took up stones again to stone him. You know, how many times did they take up stones wanting to stone him? Well, wow, that group three is kind of vicious, okay? <laughs> they'll, they, drop of a hat, they'll take up stone ready to stone you. you know, I'm sorry, but God stone you. You know, yeah, 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 people just got healed. Yeah, the guy got, but listen, we're going to have to stone you. Why? Because it's Sabbath. <laughs> and on the Sabbath, we need to kill people. You know, we can't control it. We can't tax it. We can't fix it. You know, we can't get you on our side. We're going to, uh, you know, send you on somewhere else. Okay. They took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them. He said, listen. You know, I'll paraphrase this. I, I have done a lot of good things, and, 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 and I've shown you how God feels, how much he loves people and cares about them. I have done a, you know, For which one of those good works are you going to stone me? Come on, come on. Okay, wake up now. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Okay, okay. For which one of the healings are feeding? Are raising from the dead, are blessing, for which, you know, I have blessed so many people. Which one of my blessings irritates you so much? Which one of my good deeds flies in the face of, 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 of you know, all that you think, you know, to drum up something bad? Which one of my good works is it that you're trying to kill me over? The group three really doesn't care. They just, want it. they just want it stopped. You know, Jesus was helping people. He blessed the poor. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He had compassion on the widows. He, he, he loved the children. What was so bad about that? Well, what was bad about it, it couldn't be explained. 
What was bad about it, it couldn't be bottled. What was bad about it is, is, is that, you know, people without God couldn't duplicate it. As I said, it couldn't be taxed, couldn't be controlled, so it had to be stopped and stopped at all cost. Later on, they'll crucify him for it. They'll crucify him later on because they couldn't control him. We must allow for divine intervention in life. Such divine interventions that challenge us and rise above the wisdom of this world and the designs of men. Do you know it's just possible God might do something one day that he did not consult with me about first? I may not understand it. I may not can explain it. It might not benefit me. But what group do I want to be in? Do I want to be in the group that believes in God, wants to follow Jesus and obey his will without respect to whether or not it is benefiting me personally or emotionally or physically or financially? Is there any reason why I could imagine that I need to obey God even in days that are challenging for me? Or do I just want to stop things I don't agree with or kill people I can't control? The divine will and purpose of God is greater than the good that we intend or the bad that we deserve. You know, good and bad are not the, the litmus test for me obeying God. I, if I, well, let me put it on my, if you hang around me long enough and Many of you been, have been around long enough. No, I've been saying this for 30 plus years here. You hang around me long enough, I'm going to impress you at least once and I'm going to depress you at least once. Everybody does. You're going to find something you like about me and you're going to find something you don't like about me. You're going to find something that you'll say, well, that's good. And you're going to find something to say, well, that's bad. It's going to happen. But good and bad is not what is used to calculate my value to God or my calling. It's not what I can use to calculate your value to God or to your community or to your family. I could probably find something, and if I wanted to just shine a big bad light in your life, I could probably find something that everyone would agree was bad about you. That puts me in group three. And I don't want to be a group three person. I don't want to calculate relationships or, or the will of God based upon what I imagine is good or bad, especially good or bad for me. God's wisdom is so far above what others may think is good or bad. Based upon the good-bad these Jews had a case against Jesus. It was bad in their eyes, in their teachings, to heal people on the Sabbath. Now, they were just wrong. But who among us has never been wrong? No one can calculate a person's value to God but God. No one can value a government's benefit to God 
but God because God holds the master plan in his own hand. How has this message from Mark challenged me today? Well, uh, let me cut to the chase, okay? How has this message from Mark challenged me? Because it did challenge me. I cannot tell you how much I wrestled with this message today. Uh, you know, one of the last things that Brenda said to me last night before she went to sleep is, you really worked hard and struggled long on your message this week. I said, yeah, I did. Yes, I did. Because I wanted to be understood and not misunderstood. Because we all need to check ourselves. And this is, this is how I checked myself and challenged myself. If we do not check ourselves and do not challenge ourselves, we might never change. Number one, uh, I decided that I want to know which group I'm in. I don't want to be in that hateful group that just wants to kill it because I can't control it because it doesn't favor me. Do I love and obey Jesus even when I don't understand what he's doing? Yeah, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm not going to violate the word of God. Or am I a person that, that you know, uh, you know do, I, do I like the thought of Jesus in heaven, but I reserve the right to have my own opinion about things that are going on? And I'll act however I feel like I need to act instead of acting like he feels I need to act. What did, uh, you know, is there anybody in your world that you don't like? Let me encourage you to do something, okay? Let me give you the freedom. Just, just here, here is, here is a prophetic word. If there's somebody in your world that you don't like or doesn't like you or they're hurting you, I'm going to encourage you to treat them like an enemy. Treat them like an enemy. What does Jesus say about your enemies? Huh? Love your enemies. Okay, treat them like an enemy. In the eyes of Jesus. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you and evilly entreat you. For in doing so, basically, you put God in the driver's seat. Okay, well, uh, I don't want to be the kind of person that just wants to destroy it because it doesn't favor me or because I hate it. Amen? Amen. Number two, there's a second thing that challenged me as I was going through uh, this message. I realized that no one can calculate a person's value to God but God. Uh, I am not going to limit God's will to my wisdom. Let me say that again. I am not going to limit God's will to my wisdom. I'm going to put everybody else in God's hands, and I'm going to work on myself and my responsibilities. I'm just not going to be. I'm just not going to be judgmental and critical and hateful and vengeful. And I'm just not going to let that spirit come over me. The third thing and a final thing that, that 
challenged me with this message is the realization that we could all use a little more divine insanity. We could all use a little more what Jesus had and the disciples had. That we don't have to know all the answers. What, what Joshua and Caleb had. I don't want to be one of the other spies. And I don't want to be the people that decided that they were going to stone Moses. Or those that just disagreed with him. I want to be Joshua and Caleb and say, listen. If the Lord is with us, what do we have to fear? You know? Their defense, my enemy's defense is departed from them. Let us go at once and possess the lands. We are well able. Uh, I want to experience things I can't explain. I want to witness more miracles and hear a fresh word from God. I want to be overwhelmed with joy so that I break out in dancing for no reason. Oh, that's the kind of life I want to live. Yeah. People think you're crazy. Yeah, we need a little more crazy. I want to wake up with hope for the unseen realities, a hope that keeps me excited all day long, expecting something that I'm believing God for to happen, even, even though I don't see it. I just want to, I, I want to live in that expectation, and I want people to think I'm crazy for believing God. I don't want to be disappointed in the little things I can't control. I want to have unwavering faith in the goodwill of God that he has for me, my family, my friends, my neighbors, for those that we care about, our generation, our nation. Well, that's how the message from Mark challenged me today. How did that message challenge you? Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.